Welcome to Financial Advisors Say the Darnest Things. I'm your host, A.B. Ridgeway. If you're looking for faith-based financial advice that you can actually understand, then you have come to the right place. On this show, we demystify all the financial jargon that you may hear from your financial advisor. We leverage proven financial strategies, but use faith-based principles for guidance. And during this process, we pray for discernment so that you may understand the things that work for you. This program is for the beginner. Those who want to learn about finances, but doesn't have the time or willingness to get a master's of business administration and finance or sit through an eight-hour online course to figure out what a bond is. So if you're like the other millions of investors that wish they knew what their advisor was talking about, be prepared to be prepared. So sit back and relax, not if you're driving, and we'll get this show started. A.B., yeah, cue the music. Let's make this happen. I want to go where the moon shines bright. I want to dance under the stars tonight. Welcome back, everybody. This is Financial Advisor Say the Darndest Things. Once again, I am your host, A.B. Ridgeway. And today we're going to help you get through the next market crash. I know what you're thinking. Wait, what? A market crash? Yes, a market crash. And now that I have your attention, I want to actually talk about volatility, which is movement in the value of the market, the ups and downs. So why is this important? Because after this pandemic around March of 2020, our worst nightmares came true. For those who were new to investing, and it was a reoccurring nightmare for those who were in the market around 2007 and 2008. Now, if these dates ring a bell, then you are tuned into the right podcast. If not, you're still tuned into the right podcast because we are going to talk about how to approach these natural, yes, I said natural, occurrences in the market. But before we do, as always, let's start off with the scripture. The second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So how many of us believe there were monsters in our closets as kids? I know each of my four kids at one point believed there were. And the first kid that says they saw a monster, you sat down, you had a long conversation, you showed them there's no monsters in the closet, you told them as they fell asleep that night. By the fourth child, you don't even bother. You don't even say anything because the other kids tell them there's no monster, right? But why? Because to you, the conversations about monsters it's a non-issue. You know there's no monsters in the closet, right? This is your fourth time, and you don't lose four hours of sleep trying to convince them that there isn't a monster for the next two to three weeks, waking up groggy to work the next day. So what does this have to do with the stock market and volatility? Well, as advisors, we must understand that our clients need the attention that that first child received. They need that extra time and attention. They need to see that the monsters, excuse me, they need to see what the monsters look like. And, and those who were invested in March of 2020 and back in March of 2000 and September of 2008 have seen the devastating 30 to 40% losses that this monster can be when it comes to investments. Those dates were like turning on the lights for clients. It was at that very moment that they no longer followed the herd and crossed over into the realm of financial understanding. Yes, these were horrible times. They were hard pills to swallow. But let me tell you a quote 
that applies in this situation. Hard times does not make the man, but it reveals the man. And obviously we're in 2020, so let me requote that. During hard times does not make the person, but it reveals the person. What this means is that those that held on to their long-term investment strategies did not become a prudent investor during these times. The fact that they held on to their strategy revealed to themselves and to the world that they were prudent investors. I'm, I'm actually glad that we had a market downturn in March and many advisors look at me crazy and clients alike when I say that, but something just didn't feel right. The Warren Buffett, who was born shortly after the stock market crash of the 1920s, is the epitome of a long-term investor. He's about 90 years old at this point. But he has lived through many pullbacks in the market and understands that you can't have record highs without record lows. And I'm going to touch on a subject that may come off a little judgmental, but I want to assure you that this is not the case. Just to prove my point, let me ask you a few questions. Let's say you had an extra $100,000 in your checking account and the market went up. Market highs of 10% plus returns. What would you do with that extra money? You got your answer? Okay, so now let's say that you have the same $100,000 in your checking account and the market goes down. Market lows, 30% plus. What would you do with the extra money? You got your answer? Okay, so so what did you come up with? And now if you're a client of mine, you can't answer this question. <laughs> it's not going to be fair at all. But this is for everybody else. Let me guess. You would put more money in as you saw it going up and not put any in as it was going down. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. And you may not like the answer, but it's greed. Yes, it is a bad word and no one likes to hear it, but it's the word that fits the situation. The only reason you are investing when the market is going up is because you feel that you'll be able to ride the wave up and make a huge profit. You feel that way, and, and advertisers know that you feel that way. That's why advertisements say, get it now. The market is doing great. I made 20% in three days, and so can you. And what do you do? We Google Bitcoin and invest our extra $1,000 we don't care about and quote-unquote see how it does. Now, seeing is not an investment strategy, okay? Let me assure you, I haven't seen it in any of my textbooks. And, and let's look at the flip side. Why would you sell when it is going down? Fear. Once again, we don't want to admit that we are scared, but we are biologically hardwired to associate growth with a sense of security and associate declines in the market with loss and risk of livelihood. See, we, we, we have a sense of entitlement. We don't want to lose what we already have, even if what we have is more than what we had before. Because many are, of my investors have been investing with me for quite a long time, have gained $10,000, dollars $40,000, etc., or whatnot, right? So if they lose $10,000, they're like, listen, what happened, right? Why am I losing $10,000? Are you doing something different? And no, nothing different than what I did when we gained the thirty, forty thousand. dollars on the back end, right? Things happen. 
right? You have to take the ups and you have to take the downs. That's how the market works. We just try to position ourselves in such a way where we understand that we have a $20,000 growth as instead of looking at it as a temporary $10,000 decline. So when the market is pulling back, like it did in March, we protect that $100,000 from the fear of losing it. And we wait until the market gets more expensive, which is weird. But in our minds, we say, I'm waiting for the market to go back up, right? I'm waiting for it to pull back and to, to get to where it needs to be. That's, that's tough, right? So this example may only be for the frugal shoppers like me, but I love avocados. So let me give you this example here. I, I mean, I, I really love avocados, <laughs> but they can be very expensive. Sometimes as much as 95 cent per avocado. So I have a few choices. Either I pay the higher price and potentially go broke trying to make guacamole, or I don't eat avocados, or I wait until they go on sale. So those are three options, right? Either I pay higher prices and potentially go broke. I don't eat avocados, or I wait for them to go on sale. Now, if you're like the 99% of people out there, you may say, why not wait until they go on sale to buy them? And I would agree. I feel the same way about stocks. I don't wait until avocados are 95 cent per avocado to buy them. I wait until they're three for a dollar, two for a dollar. That means I won't be enjoying avocados for a few weeks, but that's okay. Because when the price drops and the avocados are not ripe enough to eat, guess what? I buy a bunch. I take them home and I wait. Sometimes for days or even weeks for an avocado to get ripe. But the wait was worth it. Because now instead of just having one ripe avocado, I may have three to six unripe avocados that in the future I'll be able to take advantage of it. And that's that's what we want to do during these downtimes. Now, if you're ready to retire, it's getting close. You should already have your strategy together to get out of the market or at least become more conservative at that point. So you're not hit as hard by these pullbacks. But if you have a long time horizon, you may want to talk to your financial advisor about your strategy, right? Your Pacific strategy, but you can, you can hold out. You can wait. So for me, you know, I, I can wait an extra week if I'm going to get two extra avocados for the price of one. It makes sense to me. Now, once again, people may ask me, AB, can we get back to the market? And what does all this avocado talk have to do with the markets in my account? Well, let me explain. When you buy low, when the market is not doing well, you're buying those unripe avocados, three, four dollar, and able to acquire more avocados for the same price you would if you would have bought one at the higher price of 95 cent when the market was doing good. Now, let me guess. You're confused. OK, OK. Let's drop the analogies and, and let's just focus on the portfolio. Let's get back to, you know, financial planning. Let's get away from the grocery store. Maybe I'm just a little hungry. I'm sorry. But when you buy low. You can buy more with the same 100000 and instead of waiting until the market gets more expensive. Meaning you can buy more avocados when the prices are lower than when they are high. Right? So if you can buy 100 avocados for $100, but you can wait a week and get 300 avocados for that same $100, which one would be more beneficial? Because obviously you don't need to eat those avocados right away. That's why your strategy comes into to play. Right? We have a long-term time horizon. 
see, when the prices are high, you have bought enough avocados when they were low to sit back and enjoy them without worrying about buying more when they are high. So when you see it go off a sale, when you see avocados two for a dollar, now one for 75 cents, one for 95 cents, one for a dollar 10, you already have your avocados in your hand and you can take advantage of them. You don't have to run to the store and say, listen, avocados are going up. Let me invest in avocados. You've already done that and you can wait and you can sit back. So the key takeaway here is there are going to be buying opportunities or times that you can invest those extra assets into an investment. But instead of waiting until it gets expensive, get it when it's cheap. You know what? Let's just take a short little break uh, because I'm starting to get a little bit hungry with all this avocado talk. (laughs) I might even actually grab me an avocado and some chips and have a snack until we get back. Until then, I want to leave you with today's writing which is called Good Morning Serafina. In the high mountains of Ethiopia, a little three-year-old girl whose job is to get water for the family from a water source over seven miles away, traveling between villages to make it. This is not the reality of all the people who live in Ethiopia, but is the only reality that she knows. Her brothers go to school and she patiently waits for them to return. For many of us, we would consider this a punishment, but for Serafina, she sees it as a blessing as she sees kids traveling even farther with a lot less. It just shows you that life is about perspective and that heaven and hell is in our heads and not in our current reality. I've said before that reality is perception and position. And when you change your position, it will change your perception. During this writing, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Serafina. She has dreams too. And one day, I pray they come true. As the listener, I want you to do the same. What are your dreams? Are you really being held back? Are you not willing to walk seven miles just to fill one bucket of water so your family can survive? See, we all have our journeys we must travel, and I'm not here to say one is more difficult than the other, but I'm here to say that if a three-year-old understands that this is what has to be done and not what she wants to be done so her family can survive, what are our excuses? I hope that you'll be blessed. I will see you on the other side of this blessing. Serafina, the sun is rising and her brothers are getting ready for school. They shuffle around the house looking for their homework. The smoke from the kerosene lamp still smells from last night. Goodbye, Serafina. She stands at the door waving, dreaming of where her brothers are going. She has never been to school. She only hears stories of the games that they would play the mathematical formulas on the wall that she assumed matches the homework she would read while they sleep and how they share stories of going to university one day. Come on, Serafina. Her mother calls her into the kitchen and points to the bucket in the corner. Beside it is a toy from her third birthday last week, a hand-me-down that barely has her fingerprints. See here, there's no time for games because she needs to get water for the day. She waits as her mom opens the fence. Hello, Serafina. She waves to the neighbors in the local villages as she prepares for her adventure. 
a watering hole seven miles down the road. Up a mountain is where you will find it. She takes the water bucket and fills it up, places it on top of her head and prays she doesn't spill it. Tell your mama I said hello, Serafina. The walk is long, but she seems unbothered. Her legs are used to the journey. The water has a brown tint, but she doesn't mind because she feels blessed because the three-year-old girl she meets at the watering hole in a local village travels over 20 miles down the road and has less. Thank you, Serafina. Her mom takes the bucket of water and divides it, some to drink, some to clean, and some to cook. The child seems unfazed by the trip and no nap as she waits, anticipates her brother's return by the fence. Her brothers get home, sit down and do their homework, and she looks over their shoulders quick. Good night, Serafina. As the sun sets, she prays to God and thanks him for helping her make it back home safely. And when she dreams, she doesn't dream of fortune and fame or wealth unknown, just clean water, food, and loving memories of her family smiling as they use the water she brought home. Thank you, Serafina, and good morning. Welcome back. I hope that you were blessed. Once again, what are your dreams? Are you really being held back by something? What are you doing to secure the future of your family? So just to recap what we discussed earlier, we are talking about greed and fear when it comes to investing. How when the market is up and expensive, we tend to throw money into it. But when it's down and cheap, we don't take advantage of the bargain. Any client who has been or is a client of mine, understands that we have a strategy. It is not necessarily a buy and hold strategy as it is a long-term adjustable strategy. We don't let short-term events affect our long-term goals. Now, if my client needs a 5% return in order to pay off their debts and live the life they want, then why would I risk their assets trying to get a 6% return? Or if we're up 8% year over year and we see a 2% pullback, why would I make adjustments when we are still 1% up on the long-term average? You know why? Because some advisors want to look so important and make it seem like they are doing so much for their client. The point is, if your advisor is doing what is in your best interest, then your strategy will match your risk tolerance and be focused on a goal. And not necessarily just a year-over-year year or a month-to-month -month return, right? Because there's going to be some bad months. You know, my clients know that probably about four out of the 12-month period, there's going to be some downs, right? So you may have a down, may have a couple ups, may have another down month, may have three or four ups, on and on and on, right? But we say that in the market, we have some really long summers and some really short, harsh winters. And in March of 2020, we had a harsh winter, right? We had some few months where it was just very harsh, Hard to determine what we are going to do. But over the long term, just like our lives, sometimes we have some rough patches. 
We have rough patches in our marriages. We have rough patches in our relationships, in our childhood, when we were growing up. But hopefully, over the long term, we have better returns and we focus on those as opposed to just the short terms in and out, right? So most of us, let's give you another example. See, most of us, we drive to work. And anyone who's commuted over 10 miles knows that no matter how many days you leave at exactly 7.20 a.m., depending on the traffic, this will determine when you get to work. It could be a slowdown, it could be an accident, it could be a bad streak of red lights. But after weeks or years of driving this route, you know exactly when to leave to get to work on time. During the winters, you know to leave 10 minutes earlier. Or if it was raining, 15 more minutes. Or if it was construction, to leave 20 minutes earlier. You, you get my point, right? The same applies to investing. My clients know that there will be slowdowns. There will be accidents. But the goal is not to 100% avoid them. It is to mitigate the risk. So let's go back to this $100,000 question. When the market is down, what should you do? I don't know. I don't know your specific situation. But if you have a stable strategy, confident in your investment choices, and have discussed this with your financial advisor and or CPA, then you might consider using this as an opportunity to add these funds to your strategy. But what about when the market is up? Should you just keep it in cash? Once again, I don't know your specific situation. But if you don't know, I would once again tell you, figure out a stable strategy, get some confidence in your investment choices, and have a discussion with your financial advisor. Now, wait, wait, wait. A.B., don't tell me you're backpedaling because this whole conversation you were talking about invest when it's low and don't invest when it's high and, and all these things, right? No, I'm not backpedaling. You know, let's put it this way. You know what society we live in. If I recommend someone put in $100,000 into the market during a pullback and they lose another 10%, I could be liable. And I don't want those problems. But wait, wait, wait. So what's the point of investing when it's low and you could lose another 10%? You may be asking me, did I misspeak? Or, or did you catch me in trying to spread misinformation? Right? Neither. We, we, look, I am not here to predict the future. And what the bottom looks like, we don't know. We didn't know it back in 2000. We didn't know it in 2008. We didn't know it in 1920. I don't know if the bottom will be a negative 10% or a negative 30%. I am just saying that if you are worried about the market, then maybe, just maybe, it is low enough to start putting some of that extra cash into the market while it is low or what you consider to be low. And that's according to your feelings. And not all at once. Right. So one strategy is called dollar cost averaging. And we discussed that in another podcast where we can't predict when the bottom will be. But by consistently investing the same dollar amount over a length of time, we could potentially have a lower average price of stocks acquired. OK. And I get it. Right. You get all that. You get what I'm saying. But this episode was a little heavy on the financial jargons. We did a lot of analogies about avocados, not necessarily the most clear cut episode that we've done, because once again, this show is for the beginner. This is for people who are new to investing, not necessarily a savvy investor, not somebody who's maybe been investing for years or who's had the opportunity to have an investment advisor for 
some years and can kind of catch on. This is for the beginners who are just trying to understand their statements and understand the market as a whole. So let me take a step back and let me give you a summary of some of the main points, something that you can take away because you've listened this long. You deserve to have some key takeaways. So the first one, the adage is buy low, sell high. Most investors want to invest more when the market is high and sell when it is low. This is the exact opposite of what you should do. So if you have $100,000, I'm not encouraging you to try to time the market, but I am encouraging you not to close the bank when the markets are low. Number two, greed and fear can drive irrational behaviors in the market. Having a strategy will help you overcome these emotions. In March, my clients felt the same pullback as everyone else did, but most didn't sell off and are in a better situation than they were back then. I'm not saying following this advice that you will get the same results, but what I am saying is that having a long-term view can mitigate the short-term irrational decisions we make about our money and the market. Number three, have a plan. No one likes to lose. I understand that. But the stock market is going to have ups and they're going to have downs. The key is to understand those ups and downs and expose those monsters in the closet and see they are not monsters, but simply clothes hanging up. If you don't take anything away from this podcast, I want you to take this away. Market crashes happen. The value of your investments may drop. But how you see these events is determined by the amount of information you have about these events. If you know that the same things exist when the light is on as when it is off, you won't believe in monsters anymore. You got to understand that if you know that the ups and downs of the market are driven by the fundamentals and the stock market and the sentiments of the investors, you will be more understanding. The idea here is to learn as much as you can and not by locking yourself in a room and reading the 500-page textbooks on investing, but by talking to your investment advisor, coming up with an investment plan that works for you that includes the potential for market crashes. So when they happen, you can shrug them off and stay focused on your ultimate goal, which is to retire happily. Well, I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should be custom-made. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. At our firm, we practice what we preach. So if you need more information or a better explanation of what you heard today, give us a call and we'll love to have a discussion on how we can serve you. I may be Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessings. Hey, B. Yeah. Cue the music. These people got places to go and things to do. I want to go where the moon shines bright. I want to dance under the stars tonight. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, 
a registered investment advisor which produces the podcast show and makes it available on his website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Warren Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinions and are not necessarily the views and opinions of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast show should be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any Pacific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnest Thing podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult your financial advisor, accountant, and or attorney to conduct your own due diligence.